A reading from the book of Genesis. God put Abraham to the test. He called to him, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son Isaac, your only one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him up as a holocaust on a height that I will point out to you. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Then he reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the Lord's messenger called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he answered. Do not lay your hand on the boy, said the messenger. Do not do the least thing to him. I know now how devoted you are to God, since you did not withhold from me your own beloved son. As Abraham looked about, he spied a ram caught by its horn in the thicket. So he went and took the ram and offered it up as a holocaust in place of his son. Again, the Lord's messenger called to Abraham from heaven and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you acted as you did in not withholding from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies and in your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall find blessing. And all this because you obeyed my command. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I said I am greatly afflicted. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. To you will I offer sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. My vows to the Lord I will pay in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. A reading 
from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us all, how will he not also give us everything else along with him? Who will bring a charge against God's chosen ones? It is God who acquits us. Who will condemn? Christ Jesus it is who died, or rather was raised, who also is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. The word of the Lord. to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. From the shining cloud the Father's voice is heard. This is my beloved Son, hear him. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses. And they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice, This is my beloved son, Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Beloved, as we have completed one week's journey through the Lenten season, 
The readings for the second Sunday of Lent are inviting us to begin to anticipate, to look forward to the, self, the self-sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, the sacrifice of love in obedience to his Father and for the purpose of bringing about re- redemption of the whole world. And as we hear the first reading, a reading that probably many of us, like many, even like the scene of the transfiguration, today's gospel, they become so familiar to us, we don't necessarily take in the full import of what's being disclosed. For one thing, there are details left out of the first reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, which, mind you, in Hebrew, the term is akedah, the akedah. The akedah meaning in Hebrew, the binding of Isaac, the only son of Abraham, the son of the promise that we hear God make to Abraham after he stills his hand, he holds his hand back from actually sacrificing his son because now he knows the fidelity of Abraham to his word and will. But what is not included in this scene is that we're told, the detail is told, if you read it in its fullness, is that Isaac is going up the Mount of Moriah with the wood for the sacrifice on his back. Which, if you, and, and what we have Abraham being held, holding, he's got a knife and he's got the fire for the sacrifice. So the very fact that Isaac is carrying the wood on his back, we are not dealing with a little child. He's at least the scholars, the Hebrew scholars and the scholars since conclude that Isaac would have had to have been a late, late in his teen years, 18, 19, or even a young man by the time they are going up Mount Moriah. So this is very significant because you, tap, you stop and think about, you know, you hear how this dialogue goes, I want you to take your only son. It's just almost like ho-hum, like Abraham just goes along, like this is normal. That someone would ask you to sacrifice your only son. A son, mind you, that nations will be blessed as a result of the posterity of this child. As countless as the stars in the heaven, the grains on the shores of the sea. So we are really meant to get in touch with, to, to really understand what is being said here. We should really be filled with, with fear and trembling to really consider what is being demanded of Abraham by God. In fact, I just saw a movie that's put out by Angel Studios, and if you have the streaming service of Prime, Prime Video with Amazon, it's the, the movie's entitled His Only Son. His Only Son. And it's excellent in bringing out the gravity of this scene. This would be the equivalent for the Old Covenant This scene that we're given in this 22nd chapter of Genesis is the equivalent of Calvary for the New Testament. This is pivotal for the Israelite people. And the fact that Abraham goes forward in obedience to God, not even knowing where they were going. He said, I will point out to you where you're going to, the mountain that you're going to go to, but he knows the general direction. And so they set out. We can all imagine 
That as they get nearer to the situation, to the, to the destination, Isaac is saying, well, I got the wood, you've got the knife, the fire. Where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Well, at that point, I'm sure Abraham had to spill the beans and tell him exactly what God demands of him and what's going to happen. And can you imagine this now between the son and the father? And we can again, the, the scholars have concluded he had to have been at least a teenager, young adult or an adult man, by this time, he probably said to his father, if this is what God wants, then God's will be done. Let's do it. Just to give us perspective, because if Isaac was not in agreement, there would, it would have been nothing for him to overpower his father and say, have you lost your mind? Have you really lost your mind? At least that would have been my reaction in response to my father. But we see here, this is really a true test of faith. A test of faith in what? What truly does this test entail? Does Abraham love God because of his benefits? Or does he love God for God? The child that was born unto Abraham and Sarah in their advanced years of life is a benefit from God. It's a gift from God. It doesn't constitute God who is the giver of the gift. And it's also in this same passage from the 22nd chapter of Genesis that, that Abraham reasons. One of the things that, that in, incentivized him and that motivated him in being obedient to God, he reasoned that if God was able to give he, him, himself, and his wife a child in their old age, then certainly God could raise the dead back to life. So we see here, so much is happening early on. So the first readings in the, in the season of Lent are giving us an overview of salvation history, whereas the gospel is bringing us into the particular reality of what awaits Jesus in Jerusalem, who will consummate the entire plan of God for all of salvation. And so in the gospel, we are shown Jesus with the triad of Peter, James, and John, their top mount. Tabor, the Mount of the Transfiguration, all these mountains are in my mind right now. We've got Moriah, Mount Tabor, and of course when Noah was on the scene it was Ararat. But here we have Elijah and Moses appearing as they are given a glimpse of the interior glory of the Lord. And they need to hear this at this point because Jesus has just finished predicting, telling them what awaits him in Jerusalem, the scandal of the humiliation of the cross and everything that will lead to his being put to death and placed in the tomb. So they go up the mount, and there he is, we're told, transfigured. Notice the things that Mark is detailing for us. First of all, the mountain is always significant in biblical terms because the mountains was, was that location in which God would commune with his people, a certain a theophany. But in this case, we could say it's a Christophany. The Christ, the Christ, the, the Christ, the, the identity of Jesus as the Christ, his divine identity is being revealed. And just to confirm for us 
how overwhelming the situation was. Notice how Peter addresses Jesus. Now, when he says in this gospel, he says, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Now, he's saying this after seeing Jesus glorified as he is in his true glory. He, he refers to Jesus as teacher. Talk about, talk about an understatement at best. You're showing, you're showing Jesus as the God-man, God on earth, rabbi, teacher. It's good. And then he says it's good. Not great, not awesome, but good. So it just goes to show us how overwhelmed, and this is, and this is actually the gospel tells us, he hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. And that is the normal reaction of anybody who encountered the divine presence of God or some manifestation of a heavenly, a heavenly uh, host that comes down to heaven. The fact that Jesus' clothes are described as being as whiter than any fuller could make them, bleached as whiter than any fuller could make them, is to confirm he is someone who has come down from heaven. And as the Father is well aware of the situation, their difficulty to come to terms with what's going on, as we see Moses, we see Elijah, he wants to build tents and so forth. He doesn't know. He's, he's trying to, to put things together. And then the cloud comes over. Moses and Elijah disappear. They're gone. And yet they too now, because of the incarnation, are able to look upon the face of God, something they desired to do when they were on earth, but were not allowed to because they could not live after seeing the face of God. They were only given an opportunity to view somewhat of the glory of God indirectly, but not full-on face to face. But now that God has clothed himself in a human nature, they can now see the face of God. Just as Philip said, show us the Father and this will be enough for us, Philip. Do you mean to tell me that you've been with me for so long a time now and you don't realize that when you see me, you see the Father. When you hear me, you hear the Father. And so. But the Father's voice declares, this is my beloved Son. We go back to the first reading and we hear the directives given to Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, Take your son Isaac, your only one, whom you love. He's talking about like kind of twisting the knife. Not only your only son, but the one whom you love. And you offer him up for me. Of course, Isaac is spared. And what they find as a substitute is the ram whose who's, uh, his, his horns are caught in the thicket, the thorns. The ram is symbolic of the king. And even the ram, the substitute for Isaac, is a foreshadowing of Jesus who will be crowned as the king. He's being mocked, but with a crown of thorns, all of this is pointing forward to the one who will not be spared. The father will not spare his own son who will die for you and for me, for the whole world. He lived and he died for you and for me. 
And he continues to be among us, disclosing the will of the Father, disclosing the mysteries of the kingdom in the word, in the sacrament. We have to ask ourselves, first and foremost, are we truly listening? Are we truly listening to what the beloved Son of God is saying to us? And if we're listening, are our practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving enabling us to, dis to make a distinction between the benefits of God and the person of God whom we are called to love with our whole heart, mind, and soul? And one of the whole purposes of us being allowed to go up with Peter, James, and John atop Mount Tabor, bearing witness to the glory that is veiled by the humanity of the Lord Jesus, is so that we now will have the capacity of descending from that mount of glory so as to reascend with him to the mount of Calvary, where the sacrifice will be realized and God the Father will be glorified because the glory of God is that God is pregnant with life and Jesus himself discloses unless the grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies it remains just one single solitary grain of wheat but if it dies it produces much fruit no one has greater love than this that to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the mystery of the faith. This is the mystery that we are journeying together toward, yet again, especially with those who are among our community who are going to enter into this mystery for the first time as they will be born again of water and spirit on the vigil of Easter, the first day of the week. Until then, let us thank God for the gift of such a sacrifice, but most especially for the gift of such a revelation of his way, his truth, and his life. God love you. <laughs>